0: Lord, thank you that Christmas is a time of doing stuff together. Thank you for being in the midst of that. But we pray too that we will have the opportunity to meet with you in times of quiet as well. Help us to carve out those times of quiet and of stillness and of peace to be with you in our hearts and we pray this in jesus name amen christina would you like to come and lead us and the band in worship again
1: today's reading is taken from matthew chapter 11 verses 2 to 11 and can be found on page 976 of the Pew Bibles. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he.
0: Thank you, Helen. Let's pray for a moment. <coughs> Lord, be in my words and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Rejoice. Today is Gaudete Sunday which gets its name from the Latin word gaudete, which means rejoice. Its origin is, in fact, in um, what's called the introit to um, the day's mass in the Catholic liturgy, um, which in turn comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. In chapter 4, verse 4 of that book, Paul encourages the Christians in Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's an imperative. Gaudete is in the imperative. It's a command from Paul. Rejoice. However, I wonder whether today's gospel reading from Matthew may seem to be a bit of a strange choice for a Sunday on which we're specifically exhorted to be joyful. On this third Sunday of Advent, the church has traditionally always focused on the figure of John the Baptist, the prophetic voice crying out in the wilderness, proclaiming the way of the Lord, the arrival of Jesus into the world. And our prayers traditionally also reflect our passage through the Advent season. The Church of England's um, traditional liturgy at the start of the Advent season declares, People of God, awake! The day is coming soon, when you shall see God face to face. But by this third Sunday of Advent, our prayers have moved closer to Jesus' coming. We pray, Lord Jesus, light of the world, John told the people to prepare, for you were very near. As Christmas grows closer day by day, help us to be ready to welcome you now. John the Baptist's proclamation of the coming of Jesus is absolutely at the centre of our Advent message. But this week's passage from Matthew is a bit different. When we first encounter John, his prophecy about Jesus is clear and it's immediate. We read in Matthew 3 the following. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is, he who has spoken, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And when Jesus comes to John to be baptised by him, John immediately acknowledges Jesus' lordship over him. We read, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, yet you come to me. But by today's reading, events have moved on a bit, and things seem maybe to have shifted. John is no longer baptising repentant sinners, but he's now under lock and key. He's in the dungeons of the ruler of Judea, of Herod Antipas. And he seems to be having doubts about what he'd believed with such certainty before. When he hears from his prison what Jesus has been doing and saying, he feels the need to send some of his own disciples to quiz Jesus about what he's doing. Why would John do this? What might have made him doubt? Well, Jesus doesn't look like the figure of the Messiah that many people, if not most people in Israel, would have been expecting They'd probably have thought that their saviour would be a political or a military leader, something like Joshua or David, who would lead them in an uprising to throw off the yoke of their Roman oppressors. But Jesus is not this. And so doubts have been sown in the minds of many people, including John himself. Can this man whom he, John, had baptised only a matter of months earlier, can this man really be the long-awaited Christ? As John's disciples ask of Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Or as a different version, the NRSV translates it, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? At this point, I confess slightly mischievously that I have an image in my mind of so-called messiahs, rather like London buses. You wait 400 years for one, and then several maybe come along at the same time. Um, But this is a serious Question, one that gets right to the heart of Jesus' claims, both for John and his disciples then and for us today. You don't look much like a savior. What can you say or do to convince us that you really are? We might think it obvious for Jesus to answer his questioners with something maybe like of course i am you seem pretty certain of it john when you baptized me only the other month why have you changed your mind but that's not jesus's way instead he tells john's disciples to return to him with reports of what they've seen and heard taking place around them as they follow him jesus through the towns and villagers of Palestine. Jesus leaves John's disciples in no doubt about whether he is the Messiah or not, by, in effect, saying to them, don't take my word for it. But instead, look at the evidence before you. Look at what I do, and see whether or not it fulfills Israel's prophecies about the Messiah. In verses five and six of our reading, we see the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus is saying to all around him, This is what happens where I am. This is what happens through me. You've seen it with your own eyes. And he wouldn't have needed to add anything more. Because John's disciples would immediately have picked up Jesus' prophetic references about Israel's Saviour. They'd have known by heart the scriptures from Isaiah 35 in which the great prophet declares about the coming of Israel's Saviour. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So this is where the calling of this third Advent Sunday, Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday, starts to make a bit more sense in relation to today's reading. Jesus' demonstration to John's disciples that he is indeed the Messiah precisely because he fulfills Israel's prophecies of what will happen when the Messiah will come is an indication that God has broken into creation in him he's broken in to the world in the person of Jesus this is what we'll celebrate at christmas of course god's gift above all others to each one of us jesus the one who is to save all creation coming to earth as a tiny baby this is what we look forward to in these waiting weeks of Advent. But this is so radically different from the idea of a warrior leader saving the people of Israel. This is so different from what they were expecting, that even John the Baptist, who's the very prophet whom God has sent to earth to be Christ's announcer, even he has doubts at this moment that Jesus can be the Messiah. But this teacher of love. This teacher of wisdom and infinite compassion. This challenger of rulers and priests and all who are unrighteous. This worker of miraculous healings. Is indeed the one who was foretold by Isaiah and the other prophets. He is God entering in human form into this world and when God comes into creation once more what had been broken will begin to be healed again through Jesus this is what Jesus refers to frequently throughout the gospels as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven this is the time and the place where there is God's perfect and complete rule. This is the kingdom of God breaking into the here and the now. And when God's rule comes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all is healed. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the mute speak. Even the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor, to all of us. The wilderness, the barren desert, in a metaphor for the whole of creation, is watered and refreshed by God's presence and blooms and bears fruit once again. This is what we pray for, of course, in the Lord's Prayer. When we say, Lord, your kingdom come, We're praying to God for precisely the sorts of healings and transformations of which Isaiah speaks and which Jesus in his person fulfills. We're praying to God that he will break into creation again today through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our reason to rejoice, that there's no need for John's doubts. There's no need for his disciples' doubts. There's no need for our doubts because Jesus has come to be the love of God in action, in human form. He's come to fulfil the prophecies about the Messiah. And John's disciples have seen him do exactly this with their own eyes. Jesus indeed goes on to Reaffirm in the rest of today's passage John's preeminence as a prophet, notwithstanding this moment of doubt that we also see. In Jesus' words, John is greater than anyone born of woman up to that point. But, and this is very much what Christina was saying at the very start of the service, of course, Jesus then goes on to say, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John at this stage was not yet reunited with his creator and so if you like in heaven's economy even he great as he was still ranked lower than those who have died and knowing and declaring that Jesus is is the Lord over their lives, are united with him in grace. That is the gift of grace to each one of us now, as Christina said. So this is the reason for us to rejoice. Joy in this, the promise that we have through Jesus, our Saviour. But what does joy look like in practice We know from what Paul writes in Galatians that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, and I think significantly one of the very first of the fruits that he mentions, along with love and with peace. But joy is not the same as happiness, the happiness for which it's so fashionable for people to strive in their lives today to such an extent that even some of our politicians wish to try and measure it in indices of public or national happiness. I think the great 20th century theologian Henri Nguyen, um, whose books are fantastic and I strongly recommend to you, I think he writes very profoundly about what joy really is. He says... Joy is essential to spiritual life. Whatever we may think or say about God, when we are not joyful, our thoughts and words cannot bear fruit. Jesus reveals to us God's love so that his joy may become ours and that our joy may become complete. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, not sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war or even death, can take that love away. Joy is not the same as happiness, he continues. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. We're inclined to think that when we are sad, we cannot be glad. But in the life of a God-centred person, sorrow and joy can exist together. And Oren Ewan concludes, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It's a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety, and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. So, joy is not the same as happiness, joy is central to our Christian lives. And joy comes from the sure knowledge that each one of us is loved by God no matter what. I hope I can share with you a personal experience of what joy has meant to me at a particularly difficult time in my life, which I think echoes and helps to illustrate much of what Henri Nguyen says. Uh, As some of you know, before I sensed a call into ordained ministry, I worked for 20 or so years in finance. And towards the end of my business career, I'd spent six years working overseas, first in Italy and then in Brazil. And I'd been working um, very long hours in high-pressure positions greatly enjoying the challenges of the job and working alongside some fantastic people. But it was tough. At the end of my time in South America, I came back to live and work in London. And I found this transition hugely difficult. I was pretty much burned out from... The previous year's exertions I'd left behind dear friends where I had lived in South America and in Italy before and I'd returned to a city in which I now felt rather like a stranger I believe I was suffering from what um, some people call reverse culture shock I certainly don't want to over-dramatise this situation uh, because I had wonderful family and friends around me and great medical support at that time. Um, But I can honestly only describe what I felt at that time as a profound unhappiness, um, rather like a sense of mourning, perhaps. For some time during that period, I had to travel regularly to a clinic a bit of a way from my home for some counselling sessions. And every day I began my journey on the underground, travelled across London and then came out the tube station at the other end. And from there I had a walk along a tree-lined avenue for about five minutes. And I'd taken this walk on many occasions and although I was doing okay, um, nothing had really changed in how I felt. And I was still enveloped in this sense of sadness. But one beautiful sunny morning, and I wish that I'd noted the exact date, um, but for some reason I didn't. <laughs> no matter. Um, One beautiful morning, taking that walk along that line of trees to the clinic, I did what Henri Nguyen says each of us sometimes has to do. I felt an overwhelming sense of gratitude to the Lord for the beauty of creation, for all that He had given me. And I started thanking Him for all of that. I made a conscious decision at that point to choose God's joy. To celebrate all that he had done for me and for each one of us in Jesus Christ. And I know for certain that that moment is when I started to heal. I'm absolutely sure that from that moment, deep in my heart... More than ever before, I felt a sense of God's love for me, no matter what. I was certain that even when, in future, I might be profoundly unhappy as a consequence of the stuff of life, nothing and no one could ever remove that joy Of the Lord from me. Nothing can ever remove that joy of the Lord from each one of us too. So, this joy and rejoicing is what bursts out as Jesus heals the blind, the deaf, the dumb, and the lame. As he fulfills Isaiah's prophecy, It's the joy that greets the flowering of the desert once more, joy at the blessing and the gift of the coming of God's kingdom to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't think we can really blame John the Baptist for sending his disciples to check if Jesus truly was the Messiah because this kingdom and this king looked like no other kingdom or king before Or since, but Jesus coming, that each one of us might be saved through believing in Him, believing in Him, God with us, Christ on earth, the light shining as we in the darkness as we celebrate this Advent time. Jesus coming is our reason for joy, this and every Advent, and this and every day. As we sung at the start of the service in the great Advent hymn, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. And he's come to the whole of creation as well. God is indeed with us. So let's live our lives with this joy in the certainty of God's promises in Jesus Christ, praying for the coming of his kingdom here in West Bridgeford. Lord, your kingdom come, a kingdom in which the blind, the deaf, the dumb and the lame are all healed, a kingdom in which even people rise from the dead, a kingdom in which the good news of Jesus Christ is, is known throughout the land. A kingdom in which relationships, lives, and communities are restored to fullness of life, like the renewal of the parched desert as water flows once again. Gaudete. Rejoice. Let's join together in a time of prayer. I will lead some intercessory prayers now, but if there's anything for which you would like particular prayer, perhaps something about which you feel that the Lord has especially spoken to you just now, and you would like prayer for that, are... Experienced and lovely prayer ministry team will be in the Lady Chapel just over there, and they would love to pray with you for anything that you would like to bring before them and before God there. We'll start with some responsory prayer. So when I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for your joy to be known. We pray for your peace to come, especially in those areas of conflict. We lift up to you today those who suffer, those who are in pain, those who mourn, those who weep. We remember especially those who lost loved ones in the collapsed church in Nigeria yesterday. Lord, be with them. We remember also those who too have lost loved ones in the bombing in Istanbul. Lord, be with those families, those friends. Lord, heal physically and spiritually in those places we pray lord in your mercy hear our prayer lord we pray for our country we pray for those who govern us we pray for your wisdom and your compassion to guide their decision making We pray for all those in authority in our church, the Church of England. We pray for our archbishops, Justin and John, and our bishops in this diocese, Paul and Tony. And we pray for all those in authority in other denominations, our brothers and sisters in Christ there. As we come before you this Advent time, Lord, be with each one of us. Let us proclaim your message to those who don't know you or who maybe once knew you and have drifted away. Give us courage to carry that message of light into the darkness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for this, our town of West Bridgeford. We pray for the friary and its work, and for all those in our community who reach out to the homeless, the disadvantaged, the sick, the needy. Be with them at this busy time, Lord, and be with those who struggle with whatever difficulty they have, whether that's a lack of a roof over their head, whether that's a struggle to make ends meet, whether that's a struggle with sickness, Lord, be with each one of them, especially as we draw near to Christmas, Lord. Lord, it can be such a tough time for those who are not surrounded by the love of family and friends. Be with the lonely, Lord. Comfort them. Draw near to them and let them know your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, we pray for this, our community here at St Giles and for all of the other churches throughout West Bridgeford. We pray particularly here for Lee and for Sally and for their family. We pray for all in leadership in this church. We pray also for... Andy and Emma we pray for Ellen and Colin we pray for Claire in all of the amazing administrative work that she does keeping this place together we thank you for each one of them Lord we thank you for all of their families and we lift them to you at this time we pray for everyone who volunteers in all of our ministries for all the time that they put in and all that they give to our children, to our youth, to our seniors, to every single part of our community here. Lord, thank you for each one of our community who participates in your kingdom in that way. Bless them, Lord, in this particularly busy time. Lord, we thank you for all our musicians, the musicians in this service, and in the earlier service and in our even song and those who play at our midweek service too we thank you that they help us to draw close to you in worship we thank you for those who lead our prayers too for the prayer ministry team here and for all who pray publicly and in the privacy of their own homes we thank you that we can draw near to you in that prayer lord And so we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we join together, concluding our prayers, in the Lord's Prayer Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The worship team is now going to come up and pray softly. If you would like prayer ministry,